your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Matthew 13, been preaching through the Gospel of Matthews all summer long. If you want to catch up, you can go to iTunes and listen to the last week. You can't go in here next week yet. Are you paying attention? But next week, you can listen to next week. Matthew 13. The title of the message is The Sower, the Seed, and the Soil. And I want to get settled up front when you think about it. The sower is Jesus. He tells another parable about a sower, and he, he identifies himself in this. He doesn't, but he's talking about himself. The sower went out to sow. The seed is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. The soil is what the variable is. It's about sharing the gospel, and, and we're going to end the message with a, with a plea for all of us to be the sower. Jesus has gone to heaven. He's left us the, the task of sowing the seed. And the question is, why don't we do that? The number one answer I get when I talk to people about sharing their faith is fear. The number one hindrance is fear. Fear of not knowing what to say. Fear of hurting somebody's feelings or hurting the relationship. Or fear of rejection. I read about a guy named Jia Jiang who feared rejection so much he, he did an experiment. He said, for 100 days, I'm going to see if I can be rejected 100 straight days. So he did some crazy things. He walked up to a total stranger on the street and asked him for $100. Guy said no. Try that today. Go out on the beach. Just go up to somebody. Hey, can I have $100? If they say no, say, well, you can owe me. But i got to write your name down. He walked up to, he went up to a household and knocked on the front door. When they came to the door, he said, can I plant a flower in your backyard? They said no. He went to a hamburger restaurant, and instead of asking for a soda refill, he went back up to the counter with his plate and said, I'd like a burger refill. In every case, he got a no. Are you surprised? On one occasion, he walked into a Krispy Kreme donut, and he said, I want you to make a donut that looks like the Olympic rings in all the colors. And surprisingly, the lady said, okay, let's give it a shot. Why not? The video of her creation went viral, reaching over 5 million views online. Gia's experiment soon made him a sensation, leading to his delivery of a TED Talk and writing a book on his experience. In fact, his experience brought him so much fame that he started having to say no to people who wanted him to come and speak about his experience. You see the irony in that. So we're looking at the parable of the sower. But we focus a lot on the soils, and that's where Jesus will focus toward the end of the passage. But the sower is Jesus. You know, I think there's times that Jesus... He's already used illustrations. When he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he pointed to a bird of the sky and said, consider the birds of the sky. God takes care of them. Consider the lilies of the field. It may be possible he's teaching outside. In fact, the first couple of verses of Matthew 13, we see Jesus actually, because of the press of the crowd, gets in a boat, and he's just offshore, and all the probably thousands of people are on the, sea, on the side of the water, on the beach, and he's teaching them. And it may be that he sees a sower. And he's going to use this parable, this illustration. He didn't have PowerPoint, but he had power and he pointed. Maybe that's where PowerPoint came from. Maybe he pointed at a sower and said, consider the sower. So let me read the parable of the sower. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to pick up the passage in a minute, but let me give you the parenthesis. His disciples came up to him and said, why do you talk in parables? Jesus has changed his mode of operation. In, in, in chapter 13, he shares seven parables. And the people who thought they knew all the answers didn't understand any of it. Without an explanation, we wouldn't. But Jesus says, to those who have ears to hear, they hear. To those who have eyes to see, they see. But others, seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. And then he gets to the explanation. Verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what he has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Verse 20, the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, and the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So let's focus on the four soils that Jesus talks about. First, the, the seed sown by the roadside. He spoke many things to them in parables. And he says, behold. Again, he may be pointing or may just be calling attention to the story that he's about to share. The sower went out to sow. Well, that's what sowers do. They sow. And the word sow means to scatter. So this sower is scattering seed. Some of it falls along the road. He didn't intend to plant seeds on the road, but as he, as he scatters, the wind could catch the seed. As it comes out of his bag, seeds can fall places he didn't mean for it to happen. Anybody ever planted a garden and had seeds show up somewhere other than where you meant for them to be? Yeah. When I was in seminary in Texas, we were poor, and so we thought having a garden would be a good idea. It would help supplement our food. And the seminary plowed up a field of acres of field and would rent you a little section. All you had to, They plowed it up for you. All you had to do was plant the seed and water it, and they provided the water, and you paid for that. But I don't know why we decided to plant okra. Have you ever seen an okra seed? It is incredibly small. And we were very careful planting the seed. I mean, we bent down, and yet the wind got that seed, or birds came and got it and dropped it somewhere else. Apparently, whether you wanted okra or not that, in those fields, you got okra. One guy, all he planted was corn. He also had okra among the corn. And I don't know why we planted and, and we didn't know when to pick the okra. We were having, like, life-size, you know, huge okra plants, which weren't any good when they get that big. you got to pay attention to your okra. Am I making anybody hungry? Anybody going to go find okra for lunch today? I don't know where you do that. Got to go into the inlet to one of the buffets. But here's what it says. That some of the seed falls on the road. Well, what, what do we know about the road? It was the footpath. The footpath for the farmers to get between the fields is also the footpath for travelers. And so it was hard. No way the seed's going to penetrate it. And he says as soon as it hits the ground, the birds come. So I want you to get this picture of the sower is sowing and he's walking as he sows and the birds probably stay a safe distance but as soon as he gets out of their distance where he can do anything about it, they're there nibbling it up. It's lunchtime. The dinner bell has rung and the birds are saying, hey, come over here. Get these seeds off the road. And so the road, the seeds fall on the hard path and the birds come and eat the seed. In fact, it says the enemy comes. 
the, the parable, the first part of it is the picture of birds taking the seeds, but then he explains it. Here's what the picture of the birds taking the seeds is. When the gospel is shared, the enemy comes to the hard heart and snatches away what's, what's been preached. And so someone could sit under the preaching of God's word and not hear any of it because their heart is hard. What are the devil's tactics to make hearts hard? Well, some he uses false teachers that confuse people. Some people church hop or, or scan the internet or television and they're hearing teaching that is not really biblically based teaching. And so Satan will use that to create a hard heart. He uses fear of what others might think. He uses pride to blind people to sin and their need for a savior. I've literally counseled with people and asked them about their faith in God and they said, you know, I really not, don't need that. I'm a good person. Really? You want to face God someday without Jesus and say, you know what? I'm a good person. I'm better than some of the people you've let into heaven. Well, they didn't get into heaven based on their deeds. They got into heaven based on their faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. And that's one of the things the devil doesn't want you to come to grips with, the fact that you are without him, without Christ, you're just a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I face God someday, and if he were to ask me, why should I let you into heaven, it would be because I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He even uses people in the church. Some people get burned by the church. Don't raise your hand if that's happened to you, but I, I counsel people all the time that quit going to church and you ask them why, because they had a bad experience at church. Well, don't let a bad experience at church, don't let a false representation of Jesus take you away from hearing the gospel and responding to it. So what do we do? What do we do when we know someone's heart is hard to the gospel? Maybe God has laid someone's name on your heart to share Christ with, and you just sense a hardness. Well, two things we can do. Show them the real Jesus. One of the questions I would ask somebody if they say, I don't believe in Jesus, ask them to describe for you the Jesus they don't believe in. It's amazing people who don't believe in God talk a lot about not believing in God. I believe they know there is a God. Some think, well, there is a God, you just can't know him. But ask them, Tell me about the Jesus you don't believe in, because I promise you the Jesus they describe is not the Jesus of the New Testament. So first of all, show them the real Jesus. Secondly, pray for them. You cannot change a hard heart, but God can. We can put forth our best efforts. We can't change soil. We can't plow the soil. But the Holy Spirit can tenderize a heart that maybe you shared Christ with for years and then come to know him years later and maybe it wasn't even you maybe you just planted some seeds and somebody else came along and watered and saw the saw the fruit of it so show them jesus and pray the holy spirit would change their heart the second type of heart is i call the shallow heart some of the seed fell in rocky places let me tell you that the, the sower did not intentionally leave rocks behind but some of the rocks were huge bedrock they were just right below the surface of the soil so the seeds fall on the, the soil and they spring up quickly. And we get excited. If you're planting something, you're excited to see something growing. In our garden, most recently, and we haven't had one in a few years, it was squash. We planted hills of squash, among other things. But the first thing we saw was the blooms. Then all of a sudden, you see a little squash. Well, I was impatient. So I went to the store and bought a yellow squash and put it near the hill so my wife would get excited and think we'd grown something. Well, it came from the store. But that's what we do when we see the first sign of life springing forth and the bloom and the fruit coming on it. We get excited. We go every day, is it time to pick that tomato? Well, no, it's still green. Well, what if I go ahead and pick it now and I sit it under a heat lamp and maybe it'll turn red? 
Now, you have to wait. You have to be patient. But it eventually will bear fruit. The problem is when there's no depth of soil, the roots can't grow. The roots can't develop. They can't get nourishment. They can't get moisture. And so as soon as it springs up, it essentially is scorched too. The scripture says when the sun is risen, they were scorched. Literally, when the sun came up, they were burned. Let me just do a public service announcement. If you go to the beach today and don't use sunscreen, you're going to be like one of these plants that grew up without depth of soil. You're going to have sunburn. I was preaching at a church one time. Watch, look at this girl. She was sunburned right here. I thought, how in the world do you get sunburned right there? Anybody know? You wear your hat backwards. Halfway through my sermon, I finally realized, oh, I know why it's red right there. She wore a hat yesterday and thought that was protecting her and forgot there's that little hole right there. If she had worn it frontwards, it wouldn't have happened, but if she wore it backwards, I guess she could have gotten sunburned in the back of her head if, she, if her hair is like mine. But the sun rises, it scorches it because it had no roots. But see how they respond to the gospel? They immediately respond with joy. And you know what happens for us preachers? We get excited too. Church members get excited, especially if it's a celebrity. When you hear about a celebrity coming to faith in Christ, you're excited about it. And what do we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to rush them into leadership. We have a tendency to rush them into sharing their story. And there's nothing wrong with them sharing their story. But if we don't do some follow-up, we, we may have somebody that's just like the roots that has no soil. Looks good for a time, but almost as soon as they fall into love, they fall out of love. These will be the people that speak well of the church. They'll speak well of the, well of the ministers of the church. They'll speak well of the people of the church. But once they fall away, guess what? They become critical condemning, sour, and become harder to reach because they've already tried it. So be careful that you're not one of those, and be careful as you share the gospel with somebody that you don't just leave someone who's made the profession of faith and you don't follow up with them. Because here's what's going to happen. Affliction will come. Their roots, they're only temporary because when affliction, doesn't say if affliction and persecution, but when it comes, and why does it come? It comes because of the word. So this person that was excited about their faith in Christ faces opposition. They don't know how to handle it because they haven't been discipled. Affliction will come. Persecution will come. And if your roots are deep, it doesn't affect you the same way it does with shallow roots. Immediately he falls away. So just a few thoughts there. Number one, not everybody at church is a Christian. You can have somebody join the church. You can shake their hands. They could be there for years. And all of a sudden, when a hard time comes, they don't turn to Jesus. They walk away from Christ. Why? Because they had never truly gone all in. They never really plugged in. In fact, 1 John 2.19 says this. They went out from us because they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all were not of us. It's a little bit confusing listening to, but what's the writer saying? John's saying, listen, they, we thought they were of us. But the reason they went out is because they never were truly plugged in. They never were really with us. So not everybody at church is a Christian. Shallow preaching with no repentance leads to shallow belief. We have a tendency when we share the gospel to want to tamper it down and, and make it acceptable, make it chewable. And yes, we need to put it in their language. We need to make it simple for them. But you don't compromise the gospel. You don't compromise the fact you have to repent and turn from sin. When you do that, it leads to shallow belief. According to Matthew's gospel, back in chapter 5, we've already looked at this, but 5-3, part of the Sermon on the Mount, 
Humility is a mark of true conversion. When you see somebody who claims to be a Christian, but it's all about them, be on guard. But 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're the ones that are going to stick and remain. And last, genuine believers grow stronger. Even in persecution, 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul speaking to Timothy said, Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We don't like reading that, do we? Because what does it mean? If you've come to faith in Christ, you're going to be persecuted. Now, it may not be that you're put in prison, but that's happening around the world. It may not be that you'd be put to death, but that has happened around the world. It may just be your friends shun you. It may be people you thought you were friends with. You've come to faith in Christ. They're not comfortable being around you anymore. Why? Because you're a constant reminder of their own sin. You'll walk into a room, and it seems like it goes quiet when you walk in because they're all talking about you. If that ever happens, that's persecution. If it happens often, you may be schizophrenic because they're not always talking about you. So what do we do about it? Well, we don't put people in leadership too quickly. Here's, here's what Paul says to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 6. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So we don't rush somebody to leadership. We do the second thing. We disciple them. What does that mean? I've already shared this this summer. When I came to faith in Christ, I was 12 years old. People came and shook my hand when I was baptized and said, that's the most important decision you'll ever make. It was about three years before anybody ever came alongside of me and said, are you reading the Bible? Well, no, nobody told me to read the Bible. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah, why don't you start with the Gospel of John and let's meet every week and talk about what you're reading and answer questions. So don't rush them too quickly to leadership, but disciple them. The third type of soil is the distracted heart. Some seed fell among the thorns. The thorns came up and choked out the seed. Here's what happens naturally. The good seed is growing. The bad seed is growing right beside it. And they're competing for soil. They're competing for nourishment. They're competing for moisture and water. And the thorns will grow quicker. How many of you can grow a good batch of thorns? If you go to our garden plot right now, that's all that's in there is weeds. Because they'll grow up and, and steal the, the sunshine, they'll steal the um, moisture, they'll steal the nourishment of the soil. And he compares that, that's the illustration he uses, but he says this is the man who hears the gospel, but because of the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, he's choked. If God's not the most important thing in your life, you're going to follow the things of the world. And the things of the world are attractive. The things of the world are marketed and they're presented in such a way that everybody thinks this is going to make me happy, and it doesn't. So the worry of the world chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This is the man or woman that lays in bed at night worrying about their stuff. What if somebody comes and takes my stuff, or how can I get more stuff? You play the what-if game. You stare at the ceiling and think, what happens if my car breaks down? What happens if, if I have an accident? What happens if something happens to my house? What happens if this person's elected president or this person's elected president? You worry about the things of this world, which is not our home, and yet we act like it is. It becomes unfruitful. A few thoughts on that. If your first love is the things of this world, you're not going to be fruitful for Christ. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Second, a professing a believer who doesn't hate sin and love righteousness has weeds in their heart. 
And this person probably, too, won't give to the church. Why? Because they've got a tight grip on their money. And they'll say things like this. All you preachers ever talk about is money. Did you know that Jesus taught more about money in Scripture than he did heaven or hell? Does that surprise you? Why? Because we've already heard this in Matthew. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to find out where somebody's heart is? Check their checkbook. Check their bank account. Check their giving record at the church. They're going to worry and be choked. I remember a commercial a few years ago where a guy showed all the, his big house, his nice cars, his swimming pool, and he looked at the camera and said, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. Be careful with debt. Be careful with wanting the things of the world. And it ha- I didn't plan on saying this, but if you just get married, you can't necessarily have all the stuff your parents had. Now, if they'll give it to you, that's great. If you can borrow it, that's fine. But don't put it on a credit card and don't go make a loan out to live beyond and above your means because it will choke you. It will become all-consuming, and you're going to have a hard time following Christ, being faithful in giving if you're in debt up to your eyeballs. The last soil. Some of the seed fell on good soil. So we've seen the sower seed sow. Some of the seed has fallen on hard soil. Some has fallen on the rock soil. Some has fallen in soil with thorns. So we finally are going to get a produce here that some fell on good soil. And it yielded a crop, some 100, some 60, some 30-fold. The average yield in Israel is less than 8 to 1. So when Jesus shares this, he's sharing with them, hey, you know how you get seeds out of what you plant? You're used to 8 to 1 or less of what you plant. The fruit you're going to have in sharing the gospel is going to be 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Because this is a man who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit. So here's just some thoughts to close with. Number one, spiritual fruit is inevitable product of spiritual life. If you claim to be a Christian, you're going to bear fruit. Part of the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you don't see those evidenced in your life, you need to be asking why. But more than that, you're going to be fruitful in sharing the gospel. Colossians Chapter 1, verse 6. The gospel which has come to you just as in all the world also is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you and also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So the gospel in you is going to bear fruit. As you share the gospel, the results are not up to you. They're up to God. They're up to the Holy Spirit preparing that heart. So we share the gospel. And sometimes our seed's going to fall on hard, hard hearts. Sometimes it'll fall on rocky hearts. Sometimes it's going to fall on thorny hearts. Sometimes it falls on hearts that aren't ready to receive yet, but they can still hear the gospel. And we trust in Christ. We trust in the Holy Spirit to prepare them. Here's the good news. You don't create the seed. When you hear this message, I don't want you to go home today and think, I've got to synthesize seeds because I've been told to sow seeds. The seed is the gospel. It's not of you. You don't create it. You're not responsible, but it's the good news of Jesus. You're not responsible for the soil. You can't crack a hard heart. The Word of God can. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce to the division of joint and marrow. It can judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Your words can't do that. So if I'm preaching this morning, I know I'm preaching probably to all four types of hearts. Some hearts in here are hard. They're not receptive to the gospel. But they may be someday to continue to preach. Some are rocky. Some have no depth of soil. They're just a thin layer of soil. And you need somebody to come along and tear up the rock underneath so that you can receive the gospel. Some are thorny. In this room, 
Some of you are worried about the things of this world so much that you like Jesus, but you love the world. You need to fall in love with Jesus and let him take care of the things of the world. And last, you're called to scatter everywhere. So the picture I want you to see of the sower is that as the sower sows, he's not responsible for where the seed goes. He's just scattering. That's our job. The end of of Matthew chapter 28, we see the Great Commission. Jesus says, go ye therefore into all the world. Make disciples, teaching them to observe all the things I commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. But here's the point this morning. The parable of the sower is this. Sow the seed. You think, I I don't know enough. You know something. You know what God's done in your life. The beginning of sowing seed could just be to tell somebody, you know what? This summer I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know all the books of the Bible yet. I hadn't read some of them. Maybe even most of them. You can't tell the difference from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know this. Jesus has set you free and you're a different person. Just tell them that. Let them ask questions and you tell them, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go talk to somebody that does. Bring somebody along that can share the, the answers to the questions or you find them out and bring them back to them. Our job is not to seed. Our job is not to soil. Our job is to be a scatterer. Let's pray together.